Let's uh, stand together. Just going to ask a question. Where do you need to shift? So I could bring Josh up to talk about shifting in engineering, right? But we'll, we'll wait on that. But I want to say that every one of us has a place in our life where we need to shift, right? Just a little shift can make a huge difference in what could happen in your life. And even today, so just shift on one leg and then shift on another leg. You know, it's just kind of like moving the position you were in to work out in a different way or to be supported in a different way. There are things in our lives that really, they're not bad, we just need to shift. There are things in our lives that are not good and we need a big shift, kind of like the transformation you watched in that butterfly during the, the song. There is a way for us to live in the life that God intended for us to live in. Can you all say the in God life? In God. Some of us work for God, but God would prefer that we'd be in God for the world. Not work for God in the world, but be in God for the world. And sometimes we need a shift in order to experience that. So everybody just say shift happens right? And the reality is we need to, I, I'm doing that on purpose because I want your brain to wake up a little bit. And we want shift to happen in our lives. When we get complacent, when we get stuck, we are missing out on what God might want to say on this very day, in this very room, in these few moments together. So we want shift to happen in us. Ezekiel put it this way. Would you read it with me? And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. When we think about God putting God's own spirit in us so that we can walk in the ways of God, it's very different than trying to live by a set of rules. It becomes religion when we try to live by a set of rules. But when God's spirit is in us, we learn how to walk. You can be seated. So I have, um, I have a natural inclination to just sit. And many of you have a natural inclination to work out. I have a natural inclination to sit. And Scott will come and say to me on some days, he'll say, would you like to go for a walk? And usually my first response is no. Um, unless it's 70 degrees and, you know, a Monday. But most other times, my initial response is no. But he, he'll ask me again, would you like to go for a walk? And I'll be like, oh, if I say no a second time, I'm probably being willful. So I'll just say, I don't know. Ask me later. And then hopefully he forgets. But most of the time he doesn't. He'll say, would you like to go for a walk? And I'll tell you that when, whenever I go for a walk with Scott, something shifts in me. Something shifts in me. He usually takes me by the cows I like. We walk past these cows, and the cows will walk with me back and forth. He, he takes me to open spaces, like, you know, looking at what our farmers get to look at every day, just wide open land. And what happens is a shift takes place on the inside of me. All of a sudden, 
I'm not as driven or anxious or angry or sad or whatever the, whatever the mood of the day may have offered me. This walk gives me a shift. And when the scripture talks about walking with God, you can find it all over scripture. Enoch walked with God and then he was not. There's something about walking with God, friends, that brings a shift. There's something about not just doing this perfunctory, I pray at 6 a.m., I go to church on Sunday, I read the scripture this many times a week, but there's a walking with God that creates a shift. And could you say that this generation needs a shift? We desperately need a shift. Every one of us to get out of our own closed, small-minded purview of the world and the kind of openness that God offered to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. So stop right there. Nicodemus, his name actually means power over the people. Power over the people. Nicodemus was not just a Pharisee, but he was like in the top echelon of Pharisees. He was part of the Sanhedrin, which is an even smaller part of the Pharisees. And then when we see that he's a, the things that Jesus will say to him, you're going to find out he's in the top really the top few of spiritual teachers in that time. And a lot of times when you hear the word Pharisee, you might think, oh, bad, judgmental. But you have to understand that the Pharisees were people that were given to devote themselves to God. I mean, they had a life that was devoted to God. They could pray you under the table. They fasted two times a week. They actually um, uh, memorized the first five books of the Bible First five books of the Bible, even Leviticus. I mean, these people were devoted to God. They were in the temple when the temple was open. They were there. They tithed. They did that. They were, they, so they were in community. They tithed. They prayed. They fasted. And they had about 600 and some rules that they followed like over and above what was given. So they were very dedicated people. And while we might turn our noses up and say, oh, they were just religious, I want to say I I don't believe they started that way if they were that way. I believe that people, when they get on a journey with God, they really do want to know God. And if the person who's mentoring you says, hey, read your Bible every day, it'll help you get to know God, do that. If the person that's mentoring you says, hey, let's take a walk by some cows, you'll do that. And you'll realize something can shift in me if I actually am willing to give myself to practices that open me to the presence of God. So here he is, Nicodemus. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know, everybody say we know, know. that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. So he's not even getting religious. You couldn't do this if you hadn't memorized the five books of the Bible. No, you couldn't do this without the presence of God. So Nicodemus sees and recognizes the presence of God. And I want to just say that I think that's amazing because there are people who they wouldn't know if the presence was here or wasn't here. Nicodemus says, I know 
that you know the presence of God. Jesus answered him. Can you say Jesus answered him? This is hilarious because Jesus does not answer him right here. He doesn't say anything about anything about anything that he said. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above, born again. Nicodemus said to him, okay, so he's tracking. All right, I'm going to follow this line of thinking. How can anyone be born having grown old? Can he enter this time, the second time into the mother's womb and be born? So here's Nicodemus. Nicodemus is practical. And he's like, I'm big. My mother's old. Don't think we could do that again. Right? He's trying to put two and two together. But Jesus says to him, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. And don't be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And Jesus said, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? So Jesus is messing with him a little bit here and saying, you know what, Nicodemus, you're a literalist. In fact, our early church fathers, Origen and Augustine, they actually said that literalism is the lowest form of understanding. When we just look at these words and we say, well, it must mean I have to climb back into my mother's womb and be born, we are going to miss the poetic imagery, the metaphor that God is saying, I want you to get around the idea of having babies, Let's just go to something natural. I'm not going to have you quote the first five books of the Bible. Let's talk about childbirth for a minute. Let's talk about that, right? And he says, so you want me to do this thing around being literal with these words, but I'm going to have you thinking about birth. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. Who's we? Who is Jesus talking about? We speak of what we know and what we have seen, and yet you do not receive our testimony. So if you read the entire um, chapter uh, of John here, he's talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you, you, ever, you ever around people who will say, and we think, and you're like, is there somebody else here? And we say, well, it just seems good to the Holy Ghost in me. We've got a we conversation going on. He said, if I told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how would you be able to believe if I tell you about heavenly things. Jesus is inviting us to think about earthly things to understand the heavenly things. There's something about if you get literal, all of a sudden it's who's in, who's out, who's up, who's down, who's the one that God accepts, who's the one that God doesn't accept. But when you start talking about childbirth to the point of Jessica That baby comes, baby doesn't done nothing for you, and you love that baby, you're committed to that baby, that baby has your heart at before hello. God is saying, let me tell you about being born again. I love you. You're mine. If you would just know that you are being born by the Spirit on this day and every day of your life, When you think about the wind, where it comes from and where it's going, and you don't know where it comes from or where it's going, and you're a sailor, you need wind. 
right? If you're a kite flyer, you need wind. Well, we need breath. We need the breath of God. We need the water of God. Think about it for a minute. How does a woman know that she's going into labor? Anybody, one of the signs? Water breaks. So all of a sudden, the water breaks. That's happened to me on a few occasions. And, uh, and you know, Scott, because he's a man, he does not get it. In fact, the first time my water broke, he said, did you wet the bed? I'm like, dude, the water broke. Take me to the hospital. And if you know Scott, he's really chill, and he told me to go back to sleep and see what else happens. And I'm like, he got much better by baby number four, just so you know. He was much, much better by baby number four. But baby number one, he just thought I wet the bed. And there's something about, uh, you'd like a rebuttal next week. When you realize that God wants you to understand spiritual things by natural things so that you can know the heart of God and not the letter of the law, that we could know the spirit of the law and not the letter of the law. Nicodemus knew all the law but didn't know the spirit. And, and Jesus is like, I'm about to teach you about this birth. Oh, it's just like that. It's just like that birth when you first looked at that child. When you, first, when you first dreamed up even creating that child, there was probably a smile on your face. You guys can smile at me when I say that. There's something very real about what Jesus is saying. You cannot understand the words of Scripture if you don't understand this. It's all about birthing. So Jesus gives us this beautiful... Uh, ongoing conversation and ends it with, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. And we all know that this is the big one, right? This is the big verse. Everybody knows this verse. If you went to Sunday school, you can quote it, right? If you went to, you know, games in the 80s, anybody remember this guy? Remember what we called him? Rainbow Man. And Rainbow Man would show the John 3.16 sign over and over and over again. And he kind of exchanged his John 3.16 sign for firearms and stink bombs. And he's in jail for three life sentences in California. I don't know if you knew that. And so he had the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. He actually had all of that because he was like a doomsday guy. Like, you know, Jesus is coming back on such and such a date, and so I better have firearms and stink bombs, and, you know, I'm going to take planes out of the sky. I mean, this guy, read about him. Read about Rainbow Man. The guy who held up John 3.16 at I don't even know how many sporting events. People can hold up scripture that don't have a clue about the birth about the spirit, about this love of God that is not about you're in, you're out, you're bad, you're good. It's about babies, everybody. Say babies. And if we could all see one another in this way that we saw a baby that we loved, we wouldn't need firearms and stink bombs and John 3.16 signs. We would be in God for the world. 
Richard Rohr says, we become what we behold. Whatever we continually gaze upon, we will become like that. If we are born of the Spirit and the wind and the breath of God, we're going to be becoming more like Jesus, more like God. There will be a shift in us, friends. If we actually could see people, sometimes when people do really, really, really bad things, things that no human being should ever do, I try to imagine them as that little child, that little baby born of water. I try to imagine who they were before their parents met, when they were just a thought in the mind of God. I try to imagine them that way because if I behold them in that way, I won't hate them. I'll be able to find a way to pray. I don't know if you're like me, but I become what I behold. And if I am beholding hate, I'll be that. If I'm beholding literalism, I'll be that. But if I behold you in this second birth, this kind of born twice way. And one of the scriptures I love is when Paul said, I am in travail like a woman in labor until I see Christ formed in you. Again, this is to give us imagery think, to think about it, to think about it. Now, I know babies are, they can be really not very cute when they're born. We always tell Sarah, who's the most gorgeous person, that she looked like Winston Churchill when she was born. I mean, it was like, and, and, and both she and I had broken capillaries on our faces. And, and, you know, we weren't looking beautiful, but I was in love with that child. And I'll tell you what, if you can remember the baby when your child's a teenager, it will do you well. If while you're looking at the teenager, you behold the face of the baby you birthed, if the friend that you have, when you just want to give it to them, you could behold them as the baby that they were at their birth. If we could stay with the imagery that God says, look, you're not going to, you're just not going to behold the kingdom unless you behold babies. Beholding the kingdom has everything to do with beholding the pure nature of God in human beings. You know, um, psychologists, neurologists, psychiatrists tell us we have these mirror neurons that when you're looking at a baby and the baby's gazing at you, you know, you're becoming what you behold. And it's this healthy interaction that if a child sees love, they become love. If a child sees acceptance, they become acceptance. If a child sees grace, they become grace, right? Right? And if we actually activate this way of seeing one another, it will be a living hope. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have this living hope. And if we could, if we could, you know, some people, they're like 25 and you still need, to see, you still need an ultrasound, an ultrasound to find out that they're going to be a beautiful baby. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Are you guys tracking with me? Because until ultrasounds, we really didn't see the mystery that was going on in here. 
Sometimes we need to ask God, could you give me the grace of an ultrasonographer right now while I'm looking at this 58-year-old person that is still becoming, that is still becoming. When I think about the ways the new birth shows up, my friends, we, we're just going to be different. We're going to be different with each other. We're going to be kinder to each other. When we become what we behold, you know, I mean, even those feet, would you look at those feet? They still have the vernix on there. I don't know, either that, but it kind of looks like an old, old man feet. And you could look at some old man foot and say, oh, my gosh, well, just remember the baby feet. We can lose our vision for people when we look at them the wrong way. We can lose our vision for people. And I think about we become what we behold. So maybe we should watch what we're beholding. Every which way. What is helping us be in God for the world? What's helping us? Or what is tearing me away? If you're finding that you don't have a lot of joy right now in your life, I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness is fleeting. If there's not a lot of joy going on, what are you beholding these days? Who are you hanging out with? Are they a bunch of curmudgeons that are unable to be that part for you? Maybe you need to go get some mirror neurons going with a few sevens on the Enneagram to get you beholding joy. What if you're... You have no vision for your marriage. What are you beholding? Who are the people you're hanging with? Are they all people who are not giving it one more step, doing the next best thing? Are you watching stuff that just says, you know, try that. I'll just do that. I want that. Or are we beholding things that actually make us tender and awestruck? Take a walk with God. Moses was a person who took off his shoes on holy ground. Do you remember when he did that? And then God gave him an assignment. And do you guys remember when he said, How can I do this? Who am I going to say who sent me? What did God say? I am. And what is the Hebrew name for God in Scripture? Yahweh. The Hebrew name for God is Yahweh. Later on, we added these other letters, but it was Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. Do you guys know that this is actually the sound of breath? And that when a baby is born, that first breath is a declaration. Have you ever been with someone who took their last breath? When my dad breathed his last breath, it was... And when we consider that this is about a relationship with God that is breath and wind 
and water and birth and death and babies and awe. We will let go of all the literalism. We'll let go of all the ways even we've been trained to see God and a shift will happen. This is a beautiful breath prayer. You'll catch Don Capo sometimes when he's got too much going on. He'll just start going. But his sounds more like... (sighs) And he even does a great sound with his voice. Don, you got to do it for him sometimes. Because when it is about the breath of God, we let go of other things we've clung to and we can make a shift. Will you stand with me? How will you breathe and open to new life throughout this season of Lent? How are you going to breathe? I mean, maybe the Yahweh prayer will help you. How will you breathe and open up to a shift? Because many times when we're short of breath or we're faint of breath, we're not receiving the breath of God. There's this beautiful song called The Sound of Our Breathing. Everybody draws their very first breath with your name upon their lips. Yahweh. Every one of us is born of dust but come alive with heaven's kiss. The name of God is the sound of our breathing. Hallelujahs rise on the wings of our hearts beating. Breathe in, friends. Breathe out. Speak it aloud. The glory surrounds. This is the sound. Moses, barefoot at the burning bush, wants to know who spoke to him. The answer is unspeakable, like the rush of a gentle wind. The name of God is the sound of our breathing. Hallelujahs rise on the wings of our hearts beating. Breathe in, breathe out, speak it aloud. The glory surrounds, this is the sound. In him we live and we move and we have our being. And we speak the name as long as we are breathing. So breathe in, breathe out. Doubters and deceivers and skeptics and believers, we speak it just the same. From birth to death, every single breath is whispering your name. We're going to take just three or four more minutes. You might want to go back to the prayer station in the back and take a look at the invitations from the stations of Jesus leading to his last breath. And maybe one will stand out for you. Take a picture of it. If you don't have a phone, you're allowed to take a card. But we want to give you space to breathe, friends. Because when we breathe, something can shift. You might want to pray somewhere else for these last three, four minutes. But take the time. When do you get time just to breathe? God is giving it to us right now. You can stay in your seat and pray. Be here and let God be your oxygen.
with the psalmist we pray. My heart is not proud. I do not concern myself with matters that are too great for me. But I still and quiet my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul with me. I put my hope in God. God, I bless my friends with the ability to see themselves as your child. And all week long, when they start to concern themselves with matters that are too great for them, let them pray Psalm 131 and be as a child with you. And let us be born again on this day. For those that have never said, I want to live to God, Let's do it right now. God, I want to live again. I want to live by the breath of God. I want to live by the spirit of God. I let go of the old ways of doing things, ways that I've missed the mark, ways I've wounded my own life and the life of other people. I ask you to forgive me. Can you do that? Say, God, forgive me. I want to live. I want to live by the breath of your spirit even now. I want to let go of grudges that I've held against people. I want to live again. I want to be born again, again, and again, and again. I want to be alive to the breath of God. And if that's you, would you just let God know in some way that I'm praying that prayer, I want to live. I want to live again. I want to live in the life of God. God hears prayers that are hands raised or hands folded or tears longing and God may my friends be born again and alive and breathing and moving and having being in Christ Jesus beautiful week, everybody. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, come on up and see me or one of the pastors, and we want to welcome you into being alive in Christ.